Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and unlearning the programming within us. Let's uncover your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. Cal, what's up, brother? How you doing? Hey, Joe. Welcome to welcome back to Austin. Yeah, yeah, virtually. I love it. I can't wait to get back. Um, I didn't know your name was John until I saw the the Zoom call. John yeah, Callahan. A little known fact. I don't. I don't generally go by basically my mom. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> it. Why do you have it on your your Zoom? Is that just because the input that you uh, you have to put on the options, or? Dude, that's a phenomenal question. So there, there's probably a bit to unpack there, but uh, are you getting a little feedback on? No, I'm good. Okay. I'm just getting a little bit. So as long as you're good, we're good. I, uh, in a Marco Polo group back in November, one of the guys asked about that. They said, Hey, I see your name is John, not Cal. What's the deal with that? And I said, Oh, well, I, my real name is John, but there's, there's basically some tension for me around being called John. I, you know, when I got into high school, I really stepped into my nickname, Cal. When I went away to college, everyone called me Cal. And as these men, as you know, when you're around powerful men, they start asking the right questions. And I, I started to sit with what the, the lesson was. And it was that there was a part of me when I was younger that I was trying to uh, push away, whether it was because I grew up in a small town and I didn't want to be viewed that way, uh, that I was, you know, kind of more, uh, uh, back then it wouldn't be woke, but I, that I was more uh, expanded. Mm. And then as we dug deeper into it, there was some stuff in my childhood that I was really trying to suppress. And so through that process, I've, uh, I've embraced the name John again. I still don't generally go by it, but I put it on some of these different, uh, zoom and telegram and the like, so that it's, it's back in my field again. Yeah. You don't have as much resistance to it. You're, you're okay with it. Cause you were able to unpack. It's fascinating. How we have these, these names that late kind of label us. They create a story of who we are and how we show up in the world. I remember when I was younger, I went by Joey and I wanted, and when I got into high school, I wanted to kind of I was kind of the class clown, like acted out in like the kind of the funny, like way in, in class. And I wanted to be more mature. I was starting to play football and I wanted to kind of re identify myself. And so I went to Joe and it was really hard because my old friends always called me Joey. And it was like this, this weird transition. And it's fascinating how we have these so many transitions throughout our lives. Like every time we go to a new environment, we move cities, we meet a new friend group we have this story of how we are showing up and then we have the story of how everybody else is viewing us. And it's fascinating how we, we kind of label ourselves this way and it's, it takes so much to unpack. And, you know, you have a podcast called, called the great unlearn. And I'd love to kind of dive in. It's kind of similar to what we're talking about. You know, what's the intention behind the podcast and what does it mean to, to unlearn and what's that process like? Yeah. For me, unlearning is about questioning kind of, for me, it was about questioning my entire belief system. And then beyond that, like being curious in the world about everything that I, that I believed to previously be true. And what, what there was a, a really a trigger for me that, that created this awakening. And it was back in 2017, uh, October 1st, I was in Las Vegas at the route 91 mass shooting where 50 some odd people died. There were 500 people were injured. I was at the concert. Yeah, I was there. Wow. So I went to, and I'll let you finish the story. Sorry for interrupting, but I went to UNLV. Vegas is like a second home to me. And you know, all these kind of mass shootings that happen that are in the media and like just really tragic terrorist events never really hit home like that one did. And I remember like I was going into to, to work because it was during the season, I believe. And I was really torn up about that one because I felt so connected. I mean, it was happening when Jason Aldean was playing. I've been to a bunch of his concerts. And so I was like, that easily could have been me. So it's fascinating that you were there. And I'd love, yeah, to, for you to share what that experience was like. Yeah, very, very much like you, but for different reasons, this one landed for me. It's like, oh, this is real. Um, and, and I happened to go with a friend of mine who's really close with Jason Aldean. So we were side stage when it was going down. 
Wow. And we actually took cover between the stage and the tour buses when the shooting happened. But you know, Joe, it was like, um, in the moment, like all the things that I used to do, all my coping strategies, everything that protected me, all the stories I told myself to keep myself safe, all the people, like none of it was there. It was just me. I just had to sit with me in that moment. And I, I wasn't scared. And it's not because I have some crazy level of courage, but it was just what happens in a moment like that is your brain shuts off and your body takes over. And I just paid attention to, there was, there was one guy in particular who was kind of directing the, the group of people that we were with. Hey, stay, stay low, get as close to the tour buses as you can. The shots are from this caliber bullet. So you're, you're fine if you get hit, you know, unless you get hit someplace critical. So he was like really trying to land it for everybody. And I wasn't scared. I was just paying attention. You know, I was just being very coachable in that moment. But what happened during that period is not knowing if it was a terrorist attack, not knowing if there were 10, 15, 20 people that were about to, you know, descend upon this scene. I'm like, wow, this it, this could be it. And at that moment, I I laid, you know, really laid down my life for the first time and surrendered. That moment shifted everything for me because as i said these old coping strategies didn't work and i had to decide what my life was going to be without this this belief system you know as i came home i met um our friend kyle kingsbury who became a portal into questioning everything in a way that was really safe for me and it was a bunch of different modalities some of it was plant medicines and so as I started to explore the nature of my being, why the fuck am I here? I, I was held in that space by people like Kyle and, and other people in this community that allowed me to get really curious and ask any question that I needed to ask and understand that there might not be an answer. There just is probably more inquiry. And as, as I accepted that, which was hard for me, because I am like, I think a lot of people, there's a, there's a bottom line. There's an answer. I was really good at math. So I loved math. It was two plus two is four. I get it. And it shifted this, this, this way of me looking at the world from very kind of scientific into almost ethereal in a way. Um, but, but I was able to do it because I was supported by, by people like Kyle and others that were very curious. Mm. Yeah. It's like the, I think that's why it's really challenging for people to begin to question their stories, you know, at a personal level. And then, you know, eventually you go deeper and deeper into, you know, the collective stories, the societal stories, the structures that we've built. And then you go into deeper stories of reality and through modalities like plant medicine, where you can literally totally dissolve the sense of self. And then there's still something else to witness or observe. Then you start questioning even the fabric of reality. And it's really cool that even, science is starting to prove this through quantum physics and, and probability. And, and we are both particle and wave and infinite potential. And so it's almost like the spiritual and, and scientific are kind of crossing paths and to question reality. It's like, like you said, it's like cutting off the, the Hydra head, right? It's usually one question leads to two more questions, leads to four more questions, and it starts to unravel your reality. And that can be a place where you feel very untethered and very unsafe and very uncertain. Right. And so it's, when you, when you actually go to those deeper levels, you, you develop a sense of compassion for people that are in their stories. And you're, instead of trying to change their perspective by saying your story's wrong, you, you, you hold space for them and get them curious about their own story by asking them questions. And you can tell once they hit that kind of bottom of the, of the thoughts that they've kind of explored, they start getting resistant, right? And they start, they start getting defensive because they want it. It's natural to defend your story of the reality in, in, in which the lens in which you perceive, perceive reality in. And it's, it, it's really hard to kind of drop in that. And I think, you know, it's really like confronting your own death while you're alive, even in the Bible, it says you must be born again in spirit. And all of these te teachings really talk about this, this rebirth. And it is a confronting of your own death. And I think in our society and our culture, the one thing that's really missing, that's leading to a lot of our worldly problems is we, we lack initiation. We lack, you know, that transition from boyhood to manhood. And in a lot of the indigenous cultures, it's this, 
this really intense experience of confronting your own death as a boy, you go going through puberty and you come back as a man. And so once you have that experience, it starts awakening you up to the deeper realities of life. And it's really beautiful that you were able to, to experience that and alchemize that rather than going into, you know, the, the numbing and, and trying to process the PTSD, but really diving into understanding the stories on a, on a, on a deeper level. Dude, like for those of you just listening, my head hurts from nodding because everything you just said, Joe, spot on. And that very much was an initiation for me. And, and arguably at 45 years old, when it happened, I was still very much a boy. Um, and so this, this was an opportunity to step into manhood. And, and as you said, there, there are two different tracks. You can go into the curiosity or you can go into the numbing with the PTSD. And, and, and I have compassion for, for all of it as you said, because it's a lot. You are untethered. Your whole fucking reality with, with in a moment is, is unsettled and it's, it's dissolved. In that moment, again, you can go to numbing. You can go to try to put back that reality because there was safety there. There was the illusion of safety within that reality. But when we take the other path and we get curious and again, we're supported in that because even though it's a very solitary path and a, uh, a kind of line of curiosity, you do need the support of others, your partner, your friends, your community. When you go in there, it doesn't take long to move through that place that's pretty terrifying because you don't know what you are without any of the attachments to the how you used to see the world. On the other side of that is, whoa. I truly get to create whatever I want. I get to make new decisions about how I see the world, not based on what somebody told me or what society is trying to imprint upon me. It's through my own experience and how I am walking through this world. And for me, when I got to that point, it was like, whoa, it's so liberating. I got to shake off that old story. Now, the part of the integration that is challenging is much like we talked about in the beginning, my name, John, you still need to heal those old parts of yourself. You can't just outrun them. And so it's not as simple as boom, you have this new reality. It's, there's a lot of, you know, arguably trauma, little T and big T that you need to go and spend time with. And, uh, I, I, I didn't rush to that place and I wouldn't encourage anybody rushing to that place. Just let it as it unfolds, just sit with whatever's coming up, be curious with it. And just like you, you do to others, show yourself compassion as you remember these stories about how you maybe used to be that aren't maybe uh, showing you in the greatest light. Yeah. It's what you had at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It takes a lot of courage to, to do this work. Right. And to dive into the stories. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot going around, especially in, in our community and, and it, this, this idea of healing. Right. And I, I think a lot of people are like, well, what do I need to heal? What is healing? And it is this, this releasing and letting go of these old stories, these old paradigms. And you look out collectively in the world that we've created, you know, there's so many people that are numbing out that, you know, haven't gone through these deep experiences. And it's almost like there's this, this, this piece missing. And we we're, we're confused because we haven't, we're externalizing our experience of life. And when we look out and we become a victim of our circumstance, it does become very challenging. And until, you know, I think the first awakening that everybody really has to go through is this, this awakening of taking responsibility for your life and knowing that you are the creator of your life. And, you know, that where you're at, at some level, you are creating that experience. And until you can take ownership through usually a challenging experience where it kind of wakes you up and realize like, whoa, I, I have, you know, the ability to create the life I want, but it takes courage to go down that path. And it takes a lot of hard work and it's not, it's not easy. Um, let's talk about your, your journey with plant medicine. So were you experience, did you have any experience before that? Or was that an experience that, that near-death experience where you kind of started diving into it? And what has that journey uh, been like and how, how has it impacted you on, on this, this journey of unlearning? Yeah. So the, the, my previous experience would be like festival doses of mushrooms. And at that point I'd never tried LSD. I had had, you know, I'd, I'd partied with ecstasy before, but, but my first true experience 
was a psilocybin journey almost three weeks, a little more than three weeks after the Las Vegas experience. And uh, much like they say, I, I was just called to it. And I didn't know why, but I knew that there was something there that was going to open up a whole new world to me. And so that that moment is that late, late in October, it did. It shifted everything for me. And it, I started to make sense of how I was moving through the world, how I was not showing up for my wife, for my kids, for myself. Now, I made the mistake, and I think a lot of people make this mistake of thinking that, oh, I saw what I need to see. Like, I am good now. I'm just going to change because I know and I saw all these things without self-judgment and without guilt and shame. But that's not the integration. The integration is really getting in and doing the work post-ceremony into making those changes in your life. And I didn't do that. And probably two months after that, my wife and I and our family, we were down in Mexico for around the holidays. And my wife and I had a dinner date that felt like it might be the last time we were together. It was it was so shocking to me that just a few months ago, I had this life-changing experience and now I don't know her. She doesn't see me. How am I going to pick up the pieces here? And it's, it was part of an insight into how I used to go through the world. And it's see a problem, fix it. See another problem, solve it. Boom, boom, boom. I was really good at that. This is on a different timeline. This is about being in it and staying in it. And there's no true finish line. There's just more awareness. There's more presence. There's more growth. And I don't think you ever know when, again, I don't think there is a finally, okay, I got it. There's just, just having a greater sense of all of those things and it was a real pattern interrupt for the way that I lived. Again, I was I just turned 46, how I had lived my entire life. And it served me really well. I did really well financially. I, you know, was, you know, fit in the gym. I could pretty much accomplish anything I wanted to. This was a, a completely different paradigm. And it was really challenging for me to, to step into that. But that's been the work I've been doing now for the past three and a half years is, is rewiring how I move through the world. Yeah. I love that. I think, you know, this old, this old story of, of masculinity, right? Like it's this, this natural need to, as a man, fix things. And in a relationship, it's usually with the partner, like, you know, a, a woman kind of being emotional or, or feeling hurt or her, you know, her, her feelings, are kind of all out of whack. And, and as a man, it's like, well, what's wrong? Uh, like, what can I, how can I fix this? What did I do? What did, what can I help you with? And when you start doing this healing work, really, you start understanding that, that the real power is in the energy of being present, not trying to fix, especially with a, a partner, right? Is, is allowing them, especially when you start understanding the masculine and feminine and the feminine is this, is this, uh, is it's this creative flow, almost this chaos primordial energy that kind of just doesn't really make sense at times. It's just kind of chaos. And as a man, it's really, how can you stay and be present in that chaos and hold space for the woman to kind of navigate that and, and hold space and support her through that? That's the real, where we're trying to get to. What was it like the journey of, of going from that point where you felt like it was lost and, and that healing journey of really reconnecting with your wife? What was that, that internal journey? Like what kind of changes did you need to make? It was hard, man. It was hard because I dove into it again with that same mindset, with the same intensity that I would attack anything. So if it was breath work, if it was meditation, if it was doing these things called the Tibetan rites, if it was getting in the cold plunge, there, it was just so much energy put into it. To the point where, and Joe, I'm a I'm a good year into this, and you know I'd stopped drinking. I was eating really well. I was just like on paper, like just killing it. And Peyton came up to me, my wife, and said, "I I, I what I can't do this. This is like, this is so intense." And my response was like, "What do you mean? Like, what more do you want from me? I'm 
Doing Make, everything I'm, I can. Yeah. I'm doing right. I'm making the best version of myself here. I'm trying so hard. It's like, oh, I'm fucking trying. So I'm striving so hard to do this right, to get it right without the presence. I was, you know, doing all these practices that were about presence and I was doing it with, you know, kind of unconsciously. Mm. Now there is benefit to doing all these practices because I, you know, arguably I got the reps in so that when I finally did connect with the presence, I had the tools to be able to, to do that. But it wasn't until she, she, <laughs> you know, this was on a phone call. She was still up in Idaho where we go in the summer. And I had come back a little bit early. She was talking about how hard it was for her. I was like, good God. Like I was making dinner for the family all the time. We were having people over. I was doing all this, but in that process, when I reflected, there was a lot of virtue signaling from me. It was like, look at how fucking great I'm doing right now. Look yeah, at I don't want to show it up. You should meet me where I'm at kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I, when that landed for me, it was like, that ego is still in there pretty intensely. So how can I incorporate my entire family and everybody else into these practices? So it's not all about me. It's about being a better version of myself in the context of being present within everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Presence is really the gift, right? Like not, not a story of trying to show up be present because of an outcome that you want. It's really the energy of presence is that pure love, which is the connection to God really, right? Is that connection to the present moment, which is where eternity lives. And when you can show up with that energy, it, it's a palpable feeling that you're not, you're not showing up with any kind of outcome. And, you know, talking about like the teachings of Jesus to really understand what he was teaching was that, was that loving presence? Like that's what he fully embodied. And that's really what we're all trying to get to. What do you think, you know, collectively, I look out in the world, there's, there's obviously a lot of fear, a lot of division, a lot of social unrest. We're at this huge, feels like tipping point, maybe a huge transition coming. Maybe we're very much in the midst of it. Do you feel like, you know, psychedelics are needed in this collective shift? And, and you know, another question to add on to that is how do we get people to start, you know, questioning their reality and start showing up with this love, with this presence when it seems such like such a daunting task? Great questions. I think, I think there's a place for psychedelics. Uh, I think you and I both agree it's not for everybody, but if people are feeling that call, then really feel into that and do it quote unquote, the right way, find the right guide, the right community to um to go into that space because it can be super challenging if done without proper intention and without the the proper people holding space for that and so it's 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 definitely very nuanced but with the exception of the people that have you know maybe some uh precondition with some psychosis or or whatever it take those people out of it. I don't know who wouldn't benefit from seeing the world through that lens. I really don't. And so I think, you know, the, to your second question, you know, uh, I think it's conversations like this. I think it's conversations we have with our friends. I think it's us doing the work, not talking about the work we're doing, but just showing this is what it looks like. You know, you knew me 20 years ago, this is who I am today. And these are the things that have helped me. And it's been stepping into this curiosity and questioning everything. And sometimes you get labeled a conspiracy theorist because you question the common narrative and, and that's okay. That's a defense mechanism for people. I get it. I have compassion, but I'm going to continue to question everything uh, as a means to get more clarity, not necessarily get an answer. I don't think there's, not a lot of black and white truth out there, but I think there's more clarity in situations where we can be better informed about what the fuck is going on. But I think once people wake up, Joe, this is the beauty of it. Once they wake up, they're up. Mm. They don't go back to the asleep put Pandora back in the box. No. And so I think <laughs> as much as I want to me, sometimes. That's what gives me, that's what gives me the hope is that once they wake up, like once they come to this, this side, they, we don't lose them. They're sticky. You know, yeah. they're, 
they're on our team going forward. And then yeah, it's like, it's, that's a fascinating together. point. Cause it is like solving the issues of the world is almost like right now it's this, this polarity and this division and you almost have to pick sides, right? There's then that's what creates this division. And, and the team we're talking about is almost, it's this, it's a raising of consciousness. It's evolving your awareness. It's waking up to the reality that you are the creator. And these are all just fictitious stories. And we can, if enough people wake up to the fact that we have the ability to create a new reality because that's what we've created. This reality that we live in was created by the people that became before us. And as we evolve, we can continue to step up. So it's no longer like, Hey, like you're wrong. I'm right. Pick this side. It's like, Hey, how can we raise above a plane above in this level of consciousness and look down and see the division for what it is and really start waking people up and say, Hey, it's okay. Come up here. Let's see this thing. Let's really start focused on solutions rather than who's making the problems. Yeah, Joe. And, the, and the, 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 those that are at the top of this whole thing. Okay. And, and at the risk of sounding like a conspiracy theorist, this is just pretty much fact. They want to control the masses. And how do they control the masses by division, by us picking sides, us policing one another, creating fear, getting us stuck in that story versus having this expanded view of what's actually going on in this world understanding that there is another reality. So uh, my, my invitation to everybody here is who are you surrounding yourself with? What are you feeding yourself with? Not just with food, but with uh, conversations with what news outlets are, are you still reading the news? Are you still reading the news? Seriously? Like Check think yourself. about that. <laughs> There's been enough out there where, Maybe someone that you used to follow that you thought had really good content is no longer on social media. Do you think they just up and left social media? Do you think they got censored? Why did they get censored? Because they are raising the consciousness of the collective. And if you do that, then the control aspect starts to go away and they will do anything they can to keep us controlled, to keep us numb, to keep us on their tit. The stimulus checks, man, they just... <laughs> And again, I don't, I'm not going down a rabbit hole here, but they are trying to incentivize people to not go back to work. And eventually you're not going to be able to find a job and they're just going to keep feeding you just enough. And then you're going to have to live in their housing. You will own nothing. That's what they've talked about. The great reset. Look it up. You will own nothing. And they claim you will be happy. Perhaps you will. I don't know. That doesn't sound like a, a, a win for me. But people need to understand that there's a lot invested in keeping us controlled. And when people like you and I and others are questioning that and opening up space for that and letting people know that there's other ways to go through the world, there's other ways to experience this world, it's terrifying to the, the ones that are in the control. And just follow the money. Like mm. Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland in the U.S. That's terrifying to me because he thinks we should all be eating beyond meat. I don't want to eat that. But if he continues to buy up land, he is going to control that aspect. And so I'm right now incentivized to start to grow my own food. And I just had a guy on my podcast, a guy by the name of Jim Gale with food forest, uh, abundance, who is teaching people through his team, how to turn your lawn into a garden, into a food forest and not the traditional monocrop type thing. Like it's, it was amazing to me. And so I love that people like Jim are stepping up and giving us ways to create our own sovereignty. And that's going to be important going forward. The more we're attached to the government tit, like the more control they have over us. And again, I just want people to, if you are receiving a stimulus check, do what you can to keep, go back to work. Cause I believe they're putting in just enough where it doesn't make sense. I know people here, I have friends who own restaurants. Like I can't find people to work for us mm. because they make more money by sitting at home and collecting this unemployment. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, they, yeah, the government is a, is a fictitious, fictitious, entity that is a story that we give power to and for them to stay in power they need people to be relying on them and therefore they create this cycle of we'll give you money so that we are needed 
Because if we were, you know, in our own power, in our own sovereignty, creating localized communities and governed ourselves, like they wouldn't really be needed. And so I want to kind of dive deeper into this. You know, I know you've been involved in, you know, the financial markets um, and, you know, the money and the the printing of money. And it just seems like all of these things are kind of happening. Um, What do you think the timeline is? you know, in this kind of transition? Because I think there is this collective awakening happening where more people are waking up to the idea of like, I don't want to rely on the government. I want to, I want to be sovereign in my power and to navigate a huge transition where it looks like we're kind of being more and more controlled is to kind of really take back power by, you know, taking control of your, your needs, right? Your, your immediate needs like food, water, shelter, and then you don't really have to live in fear when you have your own house in order. So, you know, I've, I've asked a lot of people this question is kind of, I guess it is the big unknown is there, there seems like this huge collective shift that's happening within the very big stories that we've created as a culture and society. What does that transition look like? What is the timeline? And does, do we go into a, a, a place of real chaos before we come out the other side, like the, the Phoenix burning to the ashes and rising again, or is there an ability to make this a smooth transition or is it kind of on a more esoteric level, just kind of like a splitting of timelines that's happening? (laughs) That's a great question. I I think my intuition is that there is going to be chaos. There's going to be the, the, the Phoenix burning and a, a proper reset. Um, not the great reset, like as being, uh, promoted, I think it's going to be painful. And I think those that are waking up and are continuing to wake up, it won't be painful because they'll see it for what it is. They'll, they won't get stuck in the story of all the bad shit that's happening. They'll understand that this is a weeding of the garden. This is just what needs to happen. And if you get caught on the wrong side of that, because you were playing the wrong game, you'll get another chance in your next lifetime to, to, to kind of kind of work with that karma and it's okay. Um, but I, I think the timeline, again, this is just my, my gut tells me that within the next six months. So we're talking here in June, I know this will be released a little bit later. I think within the next six months to from now to the end of the year, there's going to be probably some shit that really, that goes down to the, to the degree that we saw what happened with, um, you know, Derek Chauvin and, and George Floyd, where it's this collective, you know, unrest. I think there's going to be a lot of people are going to be exposed. I think that's starting to happen. Uh, I think there's a lot, there's so much dirty pool being played at the, at the level of government and with the, uh, you know, the, the social media tech, tech, what do you call it? the tech technology? Technocracy. Or, yeah. I don't know if that's the right word, but I think think people are going to start to either wake up or not. They're going to either go back into their story because it's safe and I'm getting this check and I just want my life to be like it was. It's why some people don't leave a marriage because it's, it's just, it's the, the evil they know is this partner that is abusive, but it's like to do anything else is really challenging. And I can just, I'm fine. I can manage this. I can survive. My life is, is, is good. It could be worse. Like all the stories we tell ourselves that this way is the, the, the right way, but it's bullshit. And I think you and I have experienced that as we've opened up and expanded. And again, we're surrounding ourselves with people who are asking the same questions and they're not bitching about things they're working on solutions. And again, it's like what you were talking about is we can take this idea of self-reliance and really own that, create, you, you know, your own food, make sure you have water, you know, what's your power look like, you know, these types of things, and who's in your community, again, who are you surrounding yourself with, you know, and, and for me, like the, the, I would say that my, my brothers and sisters that are on the kind of the periphery of the work I'm doing, it's taking them a lot longer than I would hope, but it makes perfect sense. I'm deep in the center of this vortex of questioning it all. So I have to understand that they're out in their communities and, and they're getting it through my podcast and through conversations. And it's just a much slower role. 
Mm. And so I'm just trying to create space for me to have patience for that. And just know that it's all going to happen on the timeline that it's supposed to. Like really just trusting in the universe and understanding that this ain't my only go around. Like I'll be back and I, I don't feel like I need to get it. There's no sense of urgency in that sense. Like I got to get this, all this shit done. It's like, what feels good right now for me to work on that's closest to my heart? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, when, once you start understanding the infinite nature of reality, it does take uh, it takes a lot of the pressure off, and it takes a lot of the need to change people as well. Like when I when I look at someone and I and they're in their story and they're angry, and it's like I can I can have loving presence for them and say, you know, take your time, man. I mean, you have infinity infinity to go. There's no rush, and but it's hard for people to really understand that. And so it seems to be like like you know, six months is a, quite a fast time. I mean. Like I just started doing this podcast. I'm starting to get my life together. And that's another thing is like, you know, creating business, creating impact and trying to create a, a life for myself within this old kind of story, but trying to bring in this awareness to wake people up as well. And it's like so much energy and effort to, to kind of build these things. And I, I look out into the future and it's like, what does the future even look like? It's really, really hard to predict. And, you know, how much of this is, is a spiritual journey? Because to question reality you know, I think the big issue that we're talking about here is is not necessarily like who's right, who's wrong, or what side you're on, or what you need to do. It's this attachment to an old way of being, and to unattach and question the story of your own personal life, of the collective life. Although it's really hard and takes a lot of courage to do that, that is what needs to happen for you to navigate this new reality with any type of of grace or presence or or trust in the universe. Is to know that there is something greater at play. I mean, I look at it, there's a, a collective awakening happening. Like even just my own awareness to all of this stuff has, you know, heightened over the last year and a half. And I think a lot of people are waking up to it. And so I do feel this revolution that's happening, but it's not a revolution of, you know, left versus right. And the, the, the left is in the, in as the president right now, and they're the ones ruining the country. It's, it's this awakening to our own responsibility, our own sovereignty, our own divine right to be, you know, just human beings in this beautiful, on this beautiful planet without these stories that we've were born into and being able to create a new one. <sighs> yeah. So, I, and I think you're right. I think it's, it's us stepping away from the left versus right in whatever else, however else the black versus white, the, however else they, the, you know, the narrative is to, that, that's being uh, propagated right now is is trying to keep people of color in victimhood and when they do that they keep them in under control and then for for white people the guilt the shame all these things and when they get you there then you're under control too because you're doing anything you can what can i do to make it right they're like oh just join this socialist Marxist Mark, you know, kind of movement and then everything is right because you're standing for all these things and it's bullshit. So I want people to be very aware that this is what's happening right now. Step out of that, take personal responsibility for who you are and how you see the world and start to question things. And again, I want to be very clear that in the next six months, I think there's going to be some shit that goes down. I don't think there's going to be this like big change. I think shit goes down. And then 2022, there's like this greater kind of groundswell of awareness, awakening. And I think we'll see a nice shift. I don't think we're going to be all the way there. I don't, you know, I think it's, it's, it's going to take some time another, to navigate maybe another 18 months or so, but, but to your point, I'm starting to, I'm starting to get a sense of, again, once people wake up, they're here, they're, we're good. Okay. Now you're on the team. Let's go. Um, and then I kind of forgot what, what the, the line of questioning was. You do, you, I know, me too. I go, I go blank sometimes. It's all this head trauma. Psychedelics help with that too. If you're interested in, uh, that's how I got involved trying to heal the physical. Well, I think psych- the, 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 the real power of psychedelics, I believe in my experience is to take that old story doesn't live anymore. You come into life with a clean slate and you get to see things you get to see how we are all connected. You get to see, for me, it's that we are all God, all of it. Even though the quote unquote worst of us is God, because that person was created by God, whatever God is, whatever great spirit is, 
This is a simulation. Whatever it is, it was created with that. And if we can understand that, we can start to have compassion for what drove the worst of us to act in that way. Because I don't believe it's anyone's orientation, their soul's orientation to want to be a Hitler. I think there is incredible trauma that happens that is passed along generation after generation and then other things happen and it's this perfect stew that creates these beings. And they're there to teach us. I don't know exactly what. Maybe it's like, can you, and again, I'm not as as well-versed in the teachings of Jesus as, as maybe you are, but how can we love that man? How can we show compassion for that man? It doesn't mean we condone what happened, but we have to understand that he was a baby at one point. And, you know, uh, the, the previous, you know, the ancestral trauma aside came into this life with innocence. What happened along the way that created this, this monster? And I think you had mentioned it earlier, this having this compassion is really, really important. You know, a yeah. friend of mine, you know, uh, Stefanos Safandos had posted something on Instagram the other day. And he said, if you're not your beloved's biggest fan, then why are you together? And the more I sat with it, it's like, okay, so that extends to my kids, you know, can I be my kids' biggest fans? Can I be my brothers and sisters' biggest fans? Can I be my mom and dad's biggest fan? Can I be the people that I don't know that well, their biggest fan? Can I be the ones that I don't condone what they do? Can I see them as human beings having this experience using the tools they were given? And no one would want to be in the, some of these situations, but that's where they find themselves. And so it's been a part of my unlearning is to not just condemn and throw them in, you know, the pit of misery and think like, what can, how can I show love in a way that is integrous for me? And that maybe opens up some healing for them. I, I, I don't know the answer, but it's a complete shift from how I spent most of my life. It's like, fuck those guys. They should fucking mm -hmm. die. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Until you fully understand that all of it is God, right? This whole experience If God created everything. He created, you know, the evil in the world. And, you know, the big question that I think a lot of people confront is like, why is the world the way it is? What's the point? What's the purpose? Why is there so much evil? Why is there so much suffering? <clears throat> and I had Adrian Ellison on my podcast and she really blew my mind with this concept because we were talking about obviously this concept of we're all one. We are all, you know, you united, but it's this, this separation that we need to grow through. And, you know, she offered this, this, uh, this different, this different perspective on, you know, the separation is the gift because it allows us the opportunity to grow through it, to reach these higher levels of awareness. And I love that. Right. And then when you fully understand that you're, you're actually grateful to have, you know, you can look at this great shift and the transition happening and like, Whoa, shit. Like I just, I loved my old life. And like, why is this happening? It's an opportunity for us to have an experience and grow through it. And it's going to be one hell of a ride. I don't know what it's going to be like, but buckle up. It's going to be, it's going to be a crazy experience to navigate. Um, but that's the beauty of this life, right? And understanding the infinite nature of reality. Of course, there's going to be infinite number of games that are taking place and, you know, widening the lens out. I have no idea how or what that means, but if you understand that, you know, we are infinite potential in an infinite experience, having this one kind of finite experience in this human life in this time and day and age, then let's navigate it with the best of our ability. Let's have compassion for others and try and bring people up, raising the level of consciousness. And I truly believe, you know, it's, it's easy to look at the, the, the mainstream narrative and everything that's going on and get really pessimistic and, you know, really scared, but it's, I look out and I, you know, the people we're connected with, and I just see a lot of people questioning their reality, questioning the stories, questioning the powers that be losing faith in it. You talked about the conspiracy theories. It's like, I don't, I don't know what to believe what if the conspiracy theories are all true, but I know something's going on. And I think that's all that matters. And even, even the conspiracy theories, I think it's a problem to get attached to any one of those stories, because if you get too attached to that, then that kind of starts becoming reality and you start 
viewing through that lens, but how can you even question that and just know that there's something going on. And that kind of, when you were talking, we kind of dive back into the, the powers that be and the controlling division. Is this a, you know, a, um, a result of a, of a perpetual system that was being created and we've kind of just created this thing that kind of self-perpetuates itself or are there people at the top that are pulling the levers that know exactly what they're doing to kind of control the population and have this narrative that they're working towards? I think it's the latter. I think it's that there's a, there's a group of extremely powerful people that, that have all these things in place. And it's not like super orchestrated, like they're sitting in Dr. Evil's lair and they're figuring it out, but there's, there's enough interest involved aligned that they're, they work in concert together. So I, I do believe that. And I love that you brought up, you know, kind of being attached to the conspiracy theories, like be careful, just like believing all of the conspiracy theory, whatever, whichever one it is, just try to, for you, feel into what about this feels true to me. You don't have to marry the whole thing. And I think, I think that's part of, it's part of, was part of my issue with religion growing up. We, we, my family never really went to church. I went a few times. I went away to school where I went, you know, I had to go a couple times a week, but I never understood why people just bought into the whole fucking thing. Why can't you just take a few pieces that really resonate with you? It's just indoctrinating them into this system as a means of control largely. So I, I think, and then to, to, I, I want to go back to what Adrian said. I thought that was a, a, a fucking, I, I loved how she said that. The, you know, we're all wanting to get to this sense of oneness Right. But if we're always in the oneness and we don't have the separation, there's no contrast. We're just in it. This is like our baseline. And that kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. But now that we have this separation where we're moving towards oneness and we feel it in different, you know, when we're on plant medicines, when we're in the right energy with people, we feel this oneness and we lose time. And that's where it's like we get out of that kind of space time continuum we wouldn't even know what the fuck just happened, but it was timeless. And I, and I think like, just to, like you said, just really appreciate, have deep gratitude for this, this separation that we have. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, a curse. It's, it is truly like, look, look what happens when we really believe that that's it though. And then when we only believe that there's oneness, you know, we have been around people who are just like fucking, they just live in the ether and it's like, bro, like check out, like we're here on earth. Like let's go to earth school for a little bit. Like let's be here too. And so this is where I love Buddhism. Buddhism is like, it's both like, can you hold both of those things that we're separate and we're one, we're all one. And again, get out of the trying to figure it out with your mind, but there's this holding space for that in having compassion for yourself when you go deep into the separateness and, and all the lower energies that can happen when you're there or when you're just like super airy fairy and oneness and it's not totally in line either. It's like, it's all part of it. Like you're aware of it. Like how fucking cool is that? That you're aware of, Oh, I'm a little bit too far to this side right now. Like mm. I went through so much of my life just completely unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Like even people in the, in, in the psychedelic community, it's it, like, that can even be a form of escapism. Right. And I, for me, my own personal mm. journey, it's like, I wanted to know the answer. Like, and so I went, kept going into these spaces, like searching for that deeper insight, that deeper knowing. And I got to a place that one, one of my ayahuasca ceremonies, I was in the infinite potential, this infinite void. And there was, I knew there was nothing outside this, like this was it. And every time I could tell myself a story, I started living that story almost like in this dream visionary space, but I started losing sense of myself. And then I would come back like, whoa, I don't, I don't want to lose myself. And then I would go back in and it was just this kind of frightening experience. But I, I had a lot of deep insights in that moment, understanding like, what am I really searching for? Like what, and I love the quote, what you're looking for is where you're looking from. And it comes back to how can you be present with the experience? Because what you're really searching for is that presence, is that the energy of feeling in the experience right now, because this is the only thing that exists is what's happening in this present moment. That's where we're really trying to get to. And someone told me, I forget who said this, but like, I think it was Dr. Mike who I've had on this podcast quite a bit. I don't know if you know him, but he's, he's an amazing guy. And he, 
he's done a lot of deep work. He's done over 40 ayahuasca ceremonies. He's studied Zen Buddhism, going, gone to different monasteries and like studied Tai Chi and just gone on this path. And what he realized is he like doesn't go deep into those states anymore because he tells me, he's like, why would I want to go into the ethereal energy void when that's, that's where infinity lives. Like I, when I die, that's where I will be. Like the gift is to be in this human experience. Why would I want to keep trying to escape this human experience? And I think it's fascinating because a lot of people, you have to go on the path to realize that what, where, where I've been standing this whole time is what I've been looking for. But it's that paradox of you can't really figure that out if you're going through life unconsciously. So you have to go on this path to all of a sudden circle, full circle back to where you are standing right now is where you've wanted to be this whole time, but you've been lost in your stories, which takes you away from being present. Yes, I love that. Yeah, it's, and if, and if you spend quote unquote too much time in the ethereal and you're like, oh, it's all I've been doing is escaping through these plant medicines or, or whatever, Tai Chi and Qigong, like it's okay. Again, you had the awareness that I'm not really living life like I want to. I'm not here now. But it's so beneficial to go into those spaces to understand that we are infinite potential. That that I, I, I would agree with you that I feel like when I leave this body, that that's where I go. And so it's like, why do I want to spend too much time? I like, I like drop it in there. It's fucking cool like whoa it's like a nice little reminder but to live there and go there week after week or whatever it is it's like oof and i've had the experience when i mean you know i've worked with ketamine a fair amount and you know i had a a stretch last year where i would say over the period of six weeks i was going into some sort of ketamine space whether it was a micro dose or a macro dose and everything in between almost every day for about six weeks and I was searching for something. I felt like I was right on the cusp of this awareness. And it's funny, like about four weeks in, I'm like, fuck, dude, I think you're doing this too much. Like, I need to just stop, just stop, just stop right now. So I stopped for two days. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. So I got right back at it. You know what happened, Joe, is, is on, I think it was like December 5th or 6th, I took a really big dose like a really big dose. And I was, I was traveling back from LA and I was like, I'm going to fucking have an awesome plane ride. Just get into some meditations and it. Almost like almost nothing happened. And I was like, Oh, you got to the end of that work right now. And what was happening to me in that period was this second major awakening I was having. And the ketamine was helping me sort through it because it was very much ethereal is very much esoteric it was like I, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it but with the ketamine for me I just leave that space with a deep knowing that I can't really explain but I just see and feel and understand things differently and so that period for me was really important but it was again it gave me insight into what else is out there it, it pulled me back from my story and the collective story this reality that we've we've all been, you know, in some ways indoctrinated into, and it's allowed me to, to play and be super curious. Mm, yeah. It's beautiful. What, as we're coming towards the end, what are some, some practical tools for people that might be listening to get them to, cause it's really hard, right? We're talking about questioning your stories and it's, it's about going like a layer deeper, but it's not, it's not even layers. It's like almost like inside deeper. It's like the level of consciousness. It's like, when you are living reality through the level of, you know, consciousness that you have, you can't see behind it. I mean, that's why you're there. So how would you kind of offer people to help them continue to kind of go layers deeper? Where, like, where do they start, you know, with the questioning? Like, how do they continue to navigate um, in in this transition and, and really start developing the tools to, you know, question their own personal reality so that they can get to a point where they can start unattaching from this old way of being and be more present with the, the new reality that's being created and be participatory to it. Yeah, that's a great question. That's a tough question. I think it's got, it's got to start with curiosity. And I think if you start paying attention to the things that trigger you, because it happens multiple times a day for all of us, I think, like you start 
bringing those things to the surface and started asking the questions like, why do I feel this way? Why is this person, when they do this, why does this trigger me? Is this person really a fucking asshole? Or is there something that is triggering something in me that is either an unmet need or some way that I've been in the world? You know, there's a saying that if you spot it, you got it. So if that guy is a fucking asshole, then you're kind of an asshole too. In what way are you an asshole? And can you have compassion for yourself in that experience as well as you're diving in? You know, one of the things that's really helped me is, um, and I know you're familiar with it, but the the tobacco snuff hape. And so every morning, you know, I come into, you know, where, where I'm recording from right now, I come in here, I do a little hape and I do a meditation. And what the hape does for me is it takes all the stories that may be running in the background and it turns them off. And then just for me, what comes through is what, what is important, what, it, what I need to attend to or something that has been layers deep. You know, I had a, I had a moment where uh, I had an awareness about some stuff that happened in my childhood that I had forgotten about. And it was a lot, it allowed me to work with that, to not see myself as the victim, to see it very clearly. This person was doing the best they could. They were wounded. They were trying to share something with me. I was too young to understand it. And it, it really sexualized the way I viewed women from a very young age. Now, the intentions were, were really good, but what happened for me was a big challenge. Now, I would also say, though I don't love that that's what happened for me, having that awareness has allowed me to heal that and show up differently and be able to talk to my two boys who are 18 and 15 about that space because I've had an experience there. And when you start to see pornography or whatever from a very young age, this is what happens in your brain. This is how you start to view women. It's okay if you've already had this experience with it, but you're going to be aware of it at a much younger age than I was at the age of 49. So let's work with that. Let's have conversations. Let's, let's again, unlearn what you were given and, you know, move forward. So again, it's, it's, I think Joe, ultimately it's about getting quiet and whatever getting quiet means for you, maybe it's going on a walk, take the headphones out, listen to the birds, let whatever arises arise and welcome it and ask it, what are you here to teach me? Mm. But it's, it's, it's really about, yeah, creating stillness. And it's really challenging in our world. Again, uh, I don't want to hop back on the powers that be, but they want us on the, 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 the social media. They want us on distracted the entire time. If you can pull that stuff out of your life, if you can chip away, put it away for an hour and give yourself just an hour of quiet time, don't try to do anything. Like stop striving to, you know, for production. It's such a big thing for us. Can you just do nothing and understand that there's there's a there's a huge pot of gold on the other side of nothing, but we're just not taught that. And yeah. I, I, offer I offer that as an invitation to everyone. Can you just get quiet and be okay not producing from two o'clock to three o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, that is a huge challenge for everyone. And you know, I love what you said. Like that, the, if you're alive, then the journey continues. There's really no end point. There's no final destination. Cause if there was, then the universe wouldn't exist. I mean, that's the whole paradoxical nature of the universe is it's, there is no answer. There is no final destination. It's constantly unfolding. It's constantly expanding. And so don't be so hard on yourself. Start from where you're at today, do what you can bring curiosity. Don't be so hard on yourself. Cause like we said, you have infinity to go. So just take your time and just start where you're at and start questioning reality. The onion is infinite and you start going to deeper and deeper layers. Stuff starts arising that you're just totally unaware and unconscious of. And, you know, it's really, really beautiful. Um, for those of you that are premium members, make sure you stick around. We're coming to the end of the podcast, but we're going to do an extended episode. We're going to ask Cal here, uh, what his secret to the universe is. You're not going to want to miss it. If you aren't a premium member and you want to become a premium member, go to the link in the show notes. It's $7 a month and you get access to extended episodes like this one, plus a lot of other amazing content that I'm going to be putting out. I uh, really appreciate you supporting the podcast financially. If you don't feel called to support it in that way, a real easy way to support it is to leave a five-star review or share this podcast with anybody that you think it might resonate with. And if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe 
Cal, it's been an absolute pleasure having you, brother. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, maybe some socials. I know you got the podcast. Maybe anything else you're working on? Yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on today, brother. Uh, this has been awesome. I love I love riffing with you. Ever since we sat in here probably a month ago, it was just like dynamite. And I'm really looking forward to you being back in Austin to be on my podcast. Absolutely. I can't wait. But uh, probably the best way is on Instagram, at uh, cal.callahan. And, you know, all my, my episode, the, the great unlearn is on, you know, Apple, Spotify, all that. I have a website, thegreatunlearn.com. You can get some dope gear unlearn gear, but yeah, man, that's, that's where to find me. I love it, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, thank you guys. You've been listening to the great unlearn for more information, check out the show notes or head over to thegreatunlearn.com. For additional episodes and information regarding events, retreats, and the TGU store. If you like what you heard today, please click subscribe and share this with friends who might enjoy our platform. Don't forget to leave that five-star rating and review as it really helps us spread the love and unlearning. You can find me on Instagram at cal.callahan and on YouTube under The Great Unlearn. Thanks for listening to The Great Unlearn, and we'll talk soon. No, no different, only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned.